Okay, you guys, let's do this. It's gonna be so professional. Okay. Like, so professional. Here we go. Welcome to the Lab Support Podcast with your host, Michelle Van Dusen and June Colson, a couple of clean comedians who support each other and others through comedy's wacky and winding roads. I hope you're ready. Get set. Let's go. Since podcasts have a catchy tune, we wrote this song for Michelle and June. Clean comedians are best friends too. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and you never know what they'll say or do. Here we go, sing with me. I'm support, board, board. With Michelle, who's really short. We'll have a ball, ball, ball. With June, who's really tall. They have fun, fun, fun. Interviewing comedians. On my support, board, board. With Michelle, who's really short. Support podcast brought to you by the Hot Breath Comedy Network. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to the award-winning <laughs> Laugh Support Podcast. I'm your host, June Colson, here with Michelle with one L. Ronna Colson Corey's friend. Come on. Shelley, or, <laughs> no, don't call me Shelly. <laughs> Do not call me Shelly. Come on. Trisha's sister, don't call her Shelly. Michelle Van Dusen. <laughs> good morning. Yeah, good morning. Uh-huh. So uh, again, I got another red spot on my forehead and one down here because um, it's raining here and I did the mistake of opening the door to check uh, something on the porch before this um, event, before our interview. And those little mosquitoes, those little buggers have come back because it's been in the 70s, like the last couple of days or 50s or 60s, whatever. It's been warm. And so those little buggers are flying around. I'm like, ah, oh. yeah. That's for mosquitoes? Yeah. You see how quick that goes? Bam. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have, I mean, we have it like that here right now too. Like, well, last weekend, I think on Thursday, it was like 78 degrees. And then on Friday, it was like 30 degrees and spitting snow in Nashville. And then Saturday, it climbed up a little bit. I think today we're supposed to be almost 80. But then by the weekend, it lows wow. at the 30s again. So, yeah, you know how people are like they have their winter wardrobe and their spring or summer wardrobe. Like yeah. we just don't put anything up. But you tell me this, though. You yeah. always dress like you live in Alaska. <laughs> So I'm I, well, I well, I was always thinking about I I really love Hawaii, and um and Alaska and Hawaii are super close to each other, and that's why I dress like this. I'm very um, island. I'm an island girl. Um, actually, <laughs> I know you you wear beanies. You're constantly wearing hats and yeah, sweaters and stuff. And I thought Oklahoma was warm. Oh, yeah, it is. But technically, it's still winter time right now. And it's one of those you have no idea what's happening. Our floor in our entire house is it's a slab floor. And then we have tile. So our house is cooler all the time. And then um, anyway, but look at this because I am an island girl and I'm a Lego girl because uh, I, you know, I, I did grow up uh outside of Chicago and we had, my parents had an island in Indiana and it was A-frame house. Look what came in the mail. Boom, my A-frame house I'm gonna get to put together. This is like living my childhood all over. I'm telling you, I'm super excited. My dad, I remember my dad loved A-frame houses. Like when we when we would drive through from Indiana to Kentucky and all of that, like yeah. every time there was an A-frame house. Well, actually, no, I think that 
my mom thought that my dad loved A-frame houses because she would point out everyone on the route and hey, there's a, there's a, you know, an A-frame, an A-frame. So my brain, hot dog yeah. always loved A-frame houses. I'm not sure. Yeah. You, you are the Lego queen. My friend. Yes. You are the yeah. Lego and queen. they have a little redhead girl um, in there. So I'm like, sweet. Like it's all, it's definitely for me. So I'm all set. I'm all set. I love that you mentioned that you're an island girl because just for our listeners, y'all, um, when Michelle tries to relate to my childhood, <laughs> she's like, sure, we owned an island, you know, but I didn't get a horse because <laughs> my mom wouldn't haggle for $500. So I grew up thinking I was poor. Seriously. We lived in Oak Brook Terrace, not Oak Brook. Oak Brook is where all the rich people lived. We were in Oak Brook Terrace. So, you know, obviously we're poor um, and my parents made me work. My dad wanted me to be a worm farmer. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we had to do. And yeah, but apparently Look, we lived on old Louisville road and government housing and my brother ate worms. So I can't relate. To <laughs> outfit, Michelle. I can't relate. Okay. Okay. Can we talk about my outfit real quick. Okay. Super quick. Tell them what I'm wearing right now. Okay. It, you are sparkle city today. You've got like these silver foil earrings of some sort. Oh, it's a hoodie. Oh my gosh. You look like, uh, what was that girl that just did the, like Little Red Riding Hood, but what was the one that just did that Super Bowl thing that was wearing red? Like that's kind of. Rihanna? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. daughter-in-law's name. Well, yeah, but no. <laughs> yes, it is. But <laughs> not the singer. Well, she is a singer. Um, But you're a sparkle. You're a sparkly redhead. You look like Little Red Riding Hood if she wore sparkles and was glammed, glammed it all up. Well, I'm doing sparkle. this yes. because I think that our, our guest today, I wanted to sparkle for our guests because I think she's one of the most sparkly comedians out there. I think that maybe she, she can relate to my love affair with glitter uh -huh. and, um, and I am so excited to be able to yeah. have her on the show today. So yeah, Michelle, you really went all out with your gray turtleneck. So. Well, okay. Okay. It's, it's like, a, it's a, it's a tan. Okay. So I'm more like oh, the, the, the art palette you know, that you put the paint on. So I'm, I'm, I'm the bland tan empty palette. So uh, yeah, yeah, let's, nothing let, says, let's, yeah. Nothing says more fun than neutral colors. Yeah. Let's introduce our, our let's, let's guest. Introduce okay. Our guest. Come on, let's yeah. go. Okay. So our guest today is a comedian, a storyteller, an artist, an author. She has worked all across America, working in churches and clubs and corporations. Make sure you check out our dry bar special doodle all day. Check out her DIY comedy special. I think it's on YouTube. Uh, get yourself a copy of her book. It's called a spade. I think it's about farm equipment. Um, oh wait, wait, no, no. It's a collection of hard to tell true stories. Okay. Mm. It's called a spade. It's a hard story uh, telling thing. And then here we go. You know what? Enough of me. Let's welcome to the Laugh Support Podcast, the incredibly talented JJ Barrows. What? <laughs> That was quite the intro. <laughs> She's here. She's here. Did you see? Did you see our our cheering section, Michelle? Show her again. Yes, sir. What? <laughs> I thought that was Michelle. <laughs> That's even more amazing. I was like, wow, how's she making that noise? <laughs> Michelle, she gets, she gets mistaken for a screaming goat quite often. You would, you'd be surprised how that happens. Yes. All right, JJ, are you? It's what do you think? Fun. What do you think about the sparkles today? I love it, June. I love it. I love it even more that you did it for me because you knew I'd love it. I do. I love all the glitter. I love all the sparkles. And Michelle, I even love the comparison uh, to your art palette, the turtleneck. That was quite the 
That's what my husband's. He's got the gray schemes and the slow I brought colors. your book. He would say the same. Yeah. Yeah. I feel very supported from all sides. <laughs> well, I tell you, I was trying really, I was, I'm sweating. I'm so sad this morning, JJ, because um, Which one's you, your husband? you constantly are posting yeah. these amazing crowns that you make. And I had the beginnings of one and I had printed out your picture and I was going to make one to wear on my head this morning uh, and I awesome. couldn't find my crown. And, and my husband, I was running all over the house and he goes, what are you doing? And I was like, I need my birthday crown from when I turned 30. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I go, I, it used to be in my jewelry box and I knew exactly where it was and I was going to put it all together this morning. And he goes, what do you want me to do? And I go, think like me, where would June put her birthday crown from when she turned 30. And he's like, I'm, I'm so done with you. I'm so done with you. So I didn't have laugh support from my husband this morning, but we want to talk to you yeah. about your journey in comedy and kind of back up JJ. Cause this, the podcast is called laugh support. And we like to know maybe who comes to mind to you when you began comedy, who was laugh support to you? Yeah. So I'll try to keep it uh, simple, but I do have a couple of, answers names that come to mind because I think there's three different for me at least three different types of support so there's support in the sense of people that gave me opportunities there's support in the sense of people who encouraged me and then there's emotional support who like someone who was there like no matter what and so as far as like opportunities go uh three names come to mind like right off the bat is uh Marty Simpson Mark Christopher Lawrence and Brian April these three guys just like uh, they believed in me like from the beginning, even when I was new and they would bring me on shows and they would um, put my name in for other shows or other people if someone was looking for someone. And as you all know, like when you're starting, it's all about getting stage time and having the opportunity mm -hmm. to keep honing in on your material on even just like being comfortable in front of an audience. And so I think to have so much stage time early on was mm. a huge help to me. And I wouldn't have been able to do that. I mean, maybe I could have started out at like, you know, open mics or clubs or whatever, which I did from time to time. But open mics, in my opinion, are just not the best gauge of an actual audience. Um, so to actually get to do shows, um, these guys just kind of always went to bat for me and gave me opportunities to perform. And so that was huge as far as support goes, you know, cause I knew they're not going to bring me on if they didn't believe in me. So that was a huge right. sense of support, you know, that I got from them. And then as far as like encouragement goes, uh, Lisa Gilbert is someone who like, I'll be like, I think I'm going to quit this month. <laughs> and she's the one that's like, you're not allowed to quit. Right. Like she's the one that, is like we try as often as possible to do shows together so she's also just someone who there's a camaraderie there as well as just an encouragement there that when I'm discouraged or whatever I know like she's a voice that I hear uh that I would have to answer to if I were to quit mm -hmm. right and so she's mm -hmm. very much support in that way and then emotional support like someone who when the show is over and we all go our separate ways there's still someone that's there, like no matter how it went that I could either celebrate with or grieve with. And it's my husband currently, uh, he's my best friend and my closest bud and we travel as much as possible together. But since you asked when I first started, um, yeah, there he is. <laughs> um, he has a strong resemblance to Hopper from stranger things. 
which was accidentally printed on our Christmas card. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's definitely one. But when I first started, I was fortunate enough to have uh, my roommate, Jenna, and she just believed in me from the beginning and went almost with every single show to me. I mean, from the time that I like started and had my first graduation showcase to open mics to, and she would film, she would do all the little videos. And if it was horrible, she's who we would go and sit together and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, that happened. Or if it was awesome, you know, we'd, we'd go and celebrate. And that was also just like crucial for me to have. So I didn't feel so alone in it. And I think not feeling alone in it is what helped me continue to do it even when it got hard. And so for me, it was very much those three different types of support in the beginning that all fused together that gave me the grit that I needed to keep going. Cause I think otherwise I would have been like, mad eh, done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to do to step out and put yourself out there. And, and how awesome is that, that, that right in place, you have people to give you opportunities and encouragement yeah. and emotional support. And, and I love that you mentioned, you know, the open mics thing. Um, I think that, uh, a lot of comedians, when people first start, um, you hear that all the time, the stage time, stage time, stage time. And sometimes open mics is the only opportunity that you'll you'll get. But I think each person, I don't know about you, but I think each person has to take their own individual path Absolutely. into comedy. And some people will be like, you're not doing an open mic nine times a week. You're not a real comedian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who gets to decide who's right. a real comedian? And Right. And I would hear that a lot. And it was really discouraging because, I mean, whatever, like, like you said, this may be taboo, but I hate open mics. Like I hate them. And I did, I did the, you know, my time, so to speak. Sure. Not as much as someone else who's further in would say, maybe they would think I didn't do enough. But for me, open mics are just other comedians all testing out material. So even the ones in the audience aren't really listening, right. They're thinking about what they're going to do or they leave when they're done. Like, it's not a good gauge of if the material is actually even good. And so I tell people now, even when they start, say, yeah, sure, go to open mic, but don't go thinking like, this is where I'm going to see if this works. Because half <laughs> of the people there do not care. Um, they're thinking about themselves. Think about before you're about to get up stage, you're thinking about what you're going to say, right? And so go and do it, but do it to, to say it out loud, to just get it out of yeah. your mouth and to just mm -hmm. kind of, feel it out and get comfortable, right? Just like saying it on stage, no matter how it goes. And I think maybe that's the benefit, you know, like no matter how it goes, you're building the grit for regardless of how the audience reacts, I'm just gonna keep going. But as far as like, I would burn out. I would, I wouldn't want to, if comedy was just, you do open mics for 10 years until the right person sees you and then you do it, I'd be like, no, thank you. I'm glad I, did what I did so I can say have the experience, but it's definitely not. Nope. I'm, <laughs> it's not the route. And when I realized my path doesn't have to be the same as Jerry Seinfeld or, you know, whoever people right. want to say, this is how they did it. It's like good for them. And that's awesome that it worked. But guess what? Like I'm not Seinfeld and I am okay with that. And my journey therefore is going to look different. And, you know, as long as I keep my blinders on and it's working for me, and I don't need to compare and assume I'm not I'm not doing as well just because I'm not doing it the way that they are. So I I'm with you on the open mic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I remember that. Well, the first time I met you or saw you or whatever was um, my very first time 
at the CCA and oh, yeah. um, I just was studying everyone because I wasn't even doing comedy yet. And I was very like shocked that God was making me at this point in my life. He was <laughs> making me go to the CCA. And I remember um, Lisa Mills, I listened to a talk that she gave and she, she said, ask me how many times I've done an open mic. Yeah. And she went like this. And it was zero. It was zero. And I was like, oh, awesome. okay, okay. You know, and not that, that, that it gave me permission not to be overwhelmed yeah. by that, but it was cool to see um, different journeys. And I remember seeing you, JJ, and, um, and um, Lisa and going, okay, these are, these are women I can kind of watch and they come from different places. And, uh, and it was really, really cool at the point that I was at to see people who were just nice people working hard and connecting with other people. So it, it's so exciting to, to be able to, to have you on the show today. But I wondered, is there uh, ever a time on the journey where you did feel like you had no laugh support, where you were kind of in a, a lonely place? Oh, yeah, I feel that way all the time. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I feel that way all the time. And even though I just like listed people, it's funny how we can know people are for us, but at the same time, we can feel so alone in, mm. in our, in our mm -hmm. journeys. And, you know, it's the same, you know, when we see stories about people online, you know, that, uh, you know, sorry, not to go like super morbid, but when we hear stories about, especially entertainers, like they take their own lives, it's like, but so many people mm -hmm. loved them and so many people supported them and they were such a light. It's like, that can be true. And at the same time, it can also be true that there's either this like deep loneliness or this feeling of not actually being known or darkness or a mental health or whatever it is. Like, so I know that I do have like people who love me and who support me and they have along the way. Um, but I would say I definitely struggle still with, um, with feeling very much alone in it and in what the journey looks like for me. Cause like what we were talking about, I'm not trying to pursue comedy the way that I've seen comedy pursued in the comedy industry. Like I actually have a strong distaste for the comedy industry. I, yeah. I kind of don't have a desire to be a part of it. Now I happen to fall into comedy and I, you know, process that a lot, like even whether it's like through prayer or journaling or whatever, it's like, man, God, like, I guess I'm doing comedy. Like I know it's incorporated into what I'm doing, but I'm not even necessarily trying to be some big famous comedian. And so I, I struggle to know sometimes what my exact path looks like. Mm. Um, I very much love storytelling. I'm a storyteller comic, you know, I'm not the one liner. I'm not the setup punchline setup. I'm not getting hard. Mm -hmm you know, hits however often. And again, that was another thing I had to learn. Oh, okay. There's different styles. There's different genres. There's yes. different, I don't have to do it the way that so-and-so did it, even though they killed it, they killed it because that works for them. Right. And so learning mm -hmm. that I'm not only my storyteller comic, but that's okay. And my way of doing comedy is going to look different. Um, I, and kind of like what you mentioned, I love doing all sorts of, I love doing art. I love writing. I love kind of fusing all of these worlds together. And I still haven't figured out yet how it all works. I mean, I still have mm -hmm. wheels turn between whether it's like one woman show or art show mixed with comedy, mixed with storytelling, mixed with, I kind of, you know, hop all over the place and, you know, you'll hear people say like, no, you have to figure out your niche and then super serve your niche. And it's like, again, I think that is true for some people. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's just as okay for the people that have 
desires and interests in a few things that they want to figure out how to actually fuse together and not weed one of them out. So they Mm -hmm. only have to do this one thing. And so because what I do is very much incorporates comedy, but it's not strictly comedy. I do feel alone and like, and I feel like people don't know how to help me or what insight or even advice, you know, to give me, not that that's anyone's fault, but it's sort of like, you know, from comedians, I'll get advice about how to be a comedian or comedy or whether it's do more open mics or go host or go, you know, whatever it is. But I have no desire to just be a club comic. And that's no, again, no disrespect to the club comics. Like we all have our different, um, areas in which we thrive um but i just don't thrive in a (laughs) i can hang out there but i have no desire to spend every single weekend twice a night multiple times in a row in a -hmm. a club like that would kill my soul (laughs) so yeah yeah, jj i I see you more like spin art you know where you just put the drop of color and then yeah. the thing spins and it spins out where that's kind of yeah. how I see your um, gift and your creativity, because like I've watched your videos and, and you have, you have, you know, you're talking, then you got some music and then you got something else happening. You throw in these uh, one liners from movies and it's like, how do you do all that? And it's, and it's, it's not um, like I could never reproduce that because I just, I couldn't, but you are so unique in, in mm-hmm. your artistry that it's like, it's like the canvas is never finished, yeah, you know? I and that. I love, I love that you just continually like, oh, well, here's an open spot. Let me do this. And here, and I, I love how you just, you just fill in the gaps of, of what we t- typically think of entertainment or typically think of um, stand-up comedy. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, you don't need to be at the clubs. You need to be uh, where you're supposed to be. So it, whether it's out on the ocean, you know, uh, uh, doing a beachfront thing or, you know, doing the corporations or the churches, you just, you have this, you just exude joy in mm-hmm. everything you do and your, your art um, just, it, it expels from you. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. And I, like, <laughs> I gotta be honest, I, you know, you do this whole Dollywood thing. Like, I have no idea what you're doing there. But now I'm like, oh, I like Telly Parton now. Yeah. Why? Because of you. And I know you're wearing a shirt that's got the queen. I'm like, oh, you're wearing a Dolly. Wearing a... Yeah. But I didn't realize it was Dolly at first. I just, you know, I grew up with gambler. So I'm thinking, oh, that's just, you know, cards. Okay. You like the queen of hearts. Great. But now I'm like, oh, there's more detail there. Oh, there's more detail there. And uh, so you're not, you're wearing a Dolly shirt. And I love that. So. Thank you. I. That's encouraging. See you more as, as a spin art artist. You know, you just poof, everywhere. So, oh, and here's my here's yeah, my other I little bit that. of advice. JJ, you need to come to the Christian Comedy Retreat this year because it's not it's not a place where we're going to tell you how to do comedy. It's a place mm-hmm. where you're going to continue to connect with more comedians that are going on the same path that that you that we are. You know, yeah. where it's we're all struggling with the alone but not lonely or lonely but not alone or you know it's like all that stuff that makes and so we're just this hodgepodge of 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 uh paint and when we come together we make a beautiful picture and it's just it's one Mm -hmm. of those things it's not what you've ever seen before so i just would encourage you you should come you should come and bring your husband oh because he does pictures so come on yeah 
Okay, but there was no question in that. There was no question in that. All right, June, ask another question. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I, I I love everything that you're saying, JJ, because I feel like uh, I I definitely relate, and I can get like the analysis paralysis when someone says, "Well, you have to choose. It's Neapolitan. It's chocolate, vanilla, straw." And I'm like, "I'm a Baskin Robbins baby. My brain is everywhere doing everything." Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the ne the next question that we ask people is, um, and I will tell you that right now, just hearing you talk has definitely been a life support to me. But have you had an opportunity to be someone that that supported another comedian or helped them on their journey in comedy? I mean, I hope so. I would say not consistently, but I, I whether that's I give off the wrong vibe or whether it's that people, I think people sometimes think, oh, I don't want to bother you. So sometimes when people do contact me, they're like, oh, I don't want to bother you. But can you, you know, whatever, can we talk about or can I ask you about? And anytime someone reaches out about that, like I'm 100% game. I'm like, I, I literally, a girl contacted me on Instagram last week and we talked yesterday because she signed up for her first ever stand up class. It starts in two weeks and she just found out that they were going to have to do a showcase at the end of the class. And oh, she didn't yeah. know that. So she tried to drop out, but it was non-refundable. <laughs> so <laughs> she was panicking and she was like, I don't, I just, can you give me advice? Like, what do I do? And so we got to talk yesterday and I just like got to share, you know, from experience and just what insight I do have as far as like, first thing you need to know is like, you already belong. Like, you already belong there. You're going to show up feeling like you have to prove that you belong. You have to make sure everyone thinks mm -hmm. you're funny and da, da, da. you need to know that everyone is in the same boat, like in a class, mm -hmm. at least you're all showing up for stand up class or whatever. Like everyone is nervous. Everyone is uncertain. Everyone is, you know, everyone, whether they're the funny person in the other group or what, like they, we all walk in with our own stuff. And so you're not alone in how you feel. It's totally valid to be, you know, nervous, anxious, whatever, but like, try to start from a place of knowing that like, you're already enough, you already belong, like pressure's off. And guess what? This is a class. So you have nothing to prove as far as like being funny. And maybe you don't feel like right now you could do a three to five minute stand up. But you know what? You're right. You probably couldn't right now. But that's what the class is. You're going to spend seven weeks working on it. And I guarantee you by the end of the seven weeks, you'll have something to say. And so instead of worrying about right now, oh my gosh, seven weeks down the road, I have to perform. Just take it one day to just do the material. And then, you know, as it gets closer, you spend more time preparing. And I guarantee you by the time it comes to do it, you'll be able to do it. So it's like stuff like that, where mm. I feel like the support that I give is more like one-offs. Like people are like, Hey, can I ask you about this? Or, you know, another person just trying to decide between improv and stand up and, or, you know, whatever, or being a, a female in the, in the industry. And, mm. um, I'm always, you know, an open book as far as like, if people, you know, want insight or advice and I'll be the first to say like, you know, I might not give you the advice that, you know, one is supposed to give or the, the advice you want to hear, but I can give you insight based on, you know, what I've been through so far. Um, and, feel free to ask around and get other insight and glean and what works for you and what doesn't. Cause you know, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, if we're all just like wired differently in different ways of comedy work for us, then it might be to your benefit to ask a few different people mm. kind of play around with the insight that they give, not take it as like, they said this. And so this is the golden truth, but just take yeah. it as, Oh, you know what? Treat it like a cafeteria. Like I like this, 
I'm going to leave that one there. I like this. I'm going to leave that one there. And if you want to forge your own path, then that's, you know, how I would suggest doing it. But again, that's going to be different than someone that is dead set on, I want to be a club comic. I want to go on, you know, TV and have a sitcom and da 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 da. Who knows? Like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like I, I've benefited from having someone consistently pour into me, but then I also like, mm -hmm find myself trying to do exactly the way that they're saying to do it, as opposed to learning to like think and process for myself what works. And so mm -hmm. I'm kind of in a season of life right now where myself as well, um, I ask around. I, I, I think I wanna get to the point where I would like maybe more of a mentor, like a, a, a mentor. I don't feel like I'm in a place to be a mentor just because I'm still kind of like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but if people want to ask or they have, you know, questions or insight or email, I mean, I've like written, I warn people too. It's like, you ask me all the questions you want, but just so you know, I'll answer and you will get a novel. And, um, yes. and most people can't even keep up, you know, to like reply. It's like, cause some people think like, especially with comedy, they think you're just getting on stage and telling you about what happened that day or something. And, and then how do you make that funny? It's like, no, it's like work. It's like, yeah. it is so much work. And that's why even when I first took my first class, it started with 15 people. And by the end of the six weeks, we had six people because mm -hmm. most wow. people didn't realize how much work they would have to do during the week. They thought they could show up once a week, get on stage and say some stuff. And then over time it would get better. And they're like, man, I have a job. I don't have the time to like write about my childhood. <laughs> so. I love that. Uh, I love that your friend, because um, that's what we do. I think a, lo a lot of people do that in comedy classes. They walk in with this anxiety, this performance anxiety. And I think if I took a cooking class, if I was taking a baking class, I wouldn't go in going, I need to be able to do a four tier wedding cake, you know, yeah. right away so I can impress everyone in my cooking class. Like yeah. I go in knowing. I don't know how to, I don't know how to bake and, yeah. you know, but in comedy, we do have that performance anxiety that we're going to be yeah. seen by other people. I love that you said insight versus advice, Yeah, yeah. hearing different people's insight that that is huge because I think, um, especially when you're in a vulnerable position, when you're starting out, you can take what people say as concrete. Michelle and I have talked before that, you know, I always respect veterans who give me um, their advice. But I've noticed sometimes like certain bits I write or certain people I put in front of, I'll find that, oh, JJ loves that because it sounds like JJ's voice, what I just did. Or, yeah. you know, Billy loves this bit that I'm doing right. because that sounds like it's one liners mm. and that's how he does it. So finding your own path and yeah. getting insight from people, but not taking every piece of advice that you get. Right. as the gospel truth. This is how it has to be done can right. free yeah. people up to figure out their own path. But that being said, one of our questions is though, has there been a piece of advice that someone's given you that it is kind of a solid thing where you go, yeah, I pretty much, I've learned that that is truth for me and, and you carry it through. Yeah. So when I first started my um, comedy teacher, Tony Calabrese, he right off the bat, he was like, he told me you got something kid. Like he just, he believed in me like, like day one of the class. And he said, but just so you know, you need to be okay being a big fish in a small pond before you go 
be a small fish in a big pond. And I was like, can you unpack that for me? I've heard it, but like, how does it apply? Yeah. <laughs> and because uh, I started in San Diego, I started doing stand up in San Diego. And as we know, LA is, you know, the, the Mecca is one of the Meccas, LA, New York, whatever. Um, it's going to be the place that that's where people go, like when they start comedy. And so a lot of people, when they start or they get into entertainment, they think, okay, I got to go to the hub. I got to go to the mothership. I got to go to the place where it's all happening. And the thing is, is because that's what everybody is thinking. It's very oversaturated. It's tons of people. It's everyone and their mom fighting for to be put in a lottery to maybe get a couple of minutes of stage time at an open mic. So like the likelihood that you actually get to practice on stage is very slim. Yet you get to say, I'm an L.A. comic. And so he said, oh. you're going to hear from people that you need to go to L.A. Because in people that don't do comedy, they'll say the same thing. Oh, do you work in L.A.? Oh, do you? It's like such a, right? It has like its own association with it as if that's the place to be. And he said, people are going to tell you that you need to go to L.A. But here's the thing. You, were, you stay here in San Diego. It's not as big. There's not as many clubs, but we've got eight clubs and not as many comedians. And they have stages that they have. They need to fill with time. And you will get way more stage time in this small pond and become a much bigger fish so that when it is time for you to go to the place and be in front of the right people, you will be way more prepared to like be at your absolute best than the person that's only gotten a couple minutes here and a couple minutes there, but have lived mm -hmm. in that place the whole entire time. And that was huge for me because the tendency is right. Even if we find out what we love or what we want to do, the tendency is to be like, okay, this is what I do now. Like got to go do it. And, and we, kind of like what you said we start the baking class or whatever and we think i got to be able to do this right away like the tendency is just to rush and especially for me like i definitely struggle with perfectionism people pleasing i mean you mix all the things and i'm like i have got to get it right and i've got to get it right now and yeah. it was very freeing for me um to just be okay being a beginner and use that time to actually like work on it and get better at it in a safe space or whatever you want to call it um, that allowed me the stage time to develop the style that I have. Because if I had started, I mean, pretty much right away. And this, again, this is not everyone's journey. Everyone's journey is totally different. So I don't mm -hmm. say this so that someone can com compare, but I just, I was very fortunate when I started that, you know, I, I started doing five minutes stage time right off the bat. Like, act like I had my graduation showcase. I happened to be in front of someone that, you know, performed at the comedy store. They asked me to come be an opener. And then from there on, it was literally just at a minimum five minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes, like very early on. And you'll hear people that'll say, no, you're not ready to do. And I would hear it all the time. She's not, you know, from whether it's, you know, the veterans that have been doing it for 20 years and they're just upset they didn't start you know <laughs> whatever you know whatever we're all human we compare ourselves for different reasons but i did well enough to keep doing it in san diego right and so eventually i got to the point where i ventured further out and i got to do more places and more stage time but getting permission to just stay put and allow myself to grow was very freeing because we live in a very instant world. Right. And it's like, once mm -hmm. you figure out the thing, you got to do it and you got to keep up. And then all we do is compare. And so-and-so has 
they do this much station or they're in LA or they have this many followers or da, 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 da. but like just hearing him say that like be okay being a big fish in a small pond allow yourself to grow you know before you go venture out into the into the bigger pond and it was just it was very freeing for me and it allowed me to see it all as practice oh i'm not going to go be the best comedian on the stage i'm going to go practice i am going to go see what works and what doesn't and it allowed me to approach it with like curiosity instead of pressure mm -hmm. and it just allowed me to show up a little bit more as me than i think i would have been more prone to like i gotta prove you know that i belong and it really allowed me to enjoy the process a lot more than i think i would have had i thought i gotta prove that i belong here because no one that, that's an uncomfortable mm. feeling right like no matter who you are mm -hmm. absolutely that's, <laughs> michelle was that you <laughs> no <laughs> fire truck. Uh, oh i love fire trucks speaking of fire trucks i get to make a fire truck delivery with my husband this afternoon so that's, that's awesome. fun. Oh, i should wear this on you the delivery. need to wear that you need yes. to yeah i to wear my my sparkle sparkle well I, I love the idea of allowing yourself to practice um rick roberts oh, which good. i know he's mentioned all the time on this podcast but rick was the one who i i learned writing and and things like that from and he equated it to being a science experiment that every time you went on stage you're doing a science experiment. You're seeing what worked here. And then, you know, maybe you got to change the formula a little bit yeah. and switch things around. And, and so that, that kind of makes me think of that as the, the science experiment, the practice. We're just, you know, we're, we're doing it. We're doing it to the best of our ability, but not to yeah. be broken every time something didn't work out because it is a different formula, like, like a, a you know, science experiment. If you're changing variables in it, you're going to get different results every single time. So yeah. I, I love giving yourself the freedom to practice. Now, Michelle, you in the background. Yeah. Um, first of all, it's fine that JJ didn't send me a Christmas card that you keep showing uh, to everyone. I I know it, was, it was offered. It was offered to everyone. Uh, you had to, you should be following her. And it oh, was, if you True. want a Christmas card, then that's that's what and I got to do is one. follow. And you can see um, who's the guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and David Harper. So I'm just Harper saying. From Stranger Things. Yeah, that's that's cool. pretty awesome. I feel so. like I do, I do follow JJ. Like I, when JJ, you gotta I, know this I remember. Story. I remember seeing the bus. I remember hearing the story of me. You met him in the airport, correct? My husband. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, so I went out the but. How you looked at your wedding and your gown and this beautiful, like every, no, I'm like, I'm a huge stalker of JJ. I just missed <laughs> the opportunity for the Christmas card. Okay. Enough about, enough about the Christmas card. What, what do you have that's e even more uh, something we want to spotlight? We have a book here, mm. Michelle, tell us about what you're holding. It's called, it's called a spade and it is a collection of hard to tell true stories that uh, JJ has gone through not me um so it's really really well written um so i do believe you jj when you said if you sent me an email i'll send you back a book that's pretty much what i i believe it it's kind of like when i would send my husband a question he would send back pages of stuff too it's really really good and it's um jj you tell us about it yeah so i um i think what a lot of people don't know is like comedy comes from like really dark places often depending but my style as a storyteller um a huge life lesson for me was i had i had to deal with my pain before i could actually laugh about it 
Um, I, I think that's why people get so offended it is, you know, it's just, if you haven't dealt with your stuff, like it's way easier to be offended by someone living in freedom and joking about it and then taking it personally. Right. As opposed to if you've dealt with it and you're functioning from a place of freedom, you can laugh because you're like, Oh man, I know how that is, you know? Yes. And so, so part of me even being able to enter into doing comedy was I went through, you know, well, different uh, multiple seasons of life as we all do that were really, really tough. And especially growing up in the church, I didn't know for a long time that I could talk about what was really tough. I kind of thought, mm. you know, you have to put on the smile and everything's fine. And um, I call it the Christian F word. I'm fine. And, um, <laughs> and so the book is, is a collection of stories in which I'm learning to process out loud what's actually really hard in life. Mm. And it's not a, a, you know, I've given up. It's just sort of like, I'm saying the things I didn't know that I was allowed to say. I'm sharing the stories I didn't know I was allowed to share and finding that life can be both hard and beautiful at the same time. Like it can be, you know, it can suck and God can be good at the same time. Like the one, they don't cancel each other out. And so, yeah, for me, it's just a really it's not, I always tell people, I'm like, if you're looking for like a really funny book, this is probably not your book, but if you, you know, are looking for more of like, maybe like a sad journal with some light at the end of the tunnel, this might be it. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the lunch lady. Uh, oh yeah. Story. Yeah. yeah. It's just, there's just so many neat things inside here that as you read it, you can identify with, and then to see how you journey through it. And you're like, Oh, so there is a way out. So it's, it, it's, yes, it, it may not be, you know, knee slapping funny, but right. it does end up bringing you to a light and to a place of joy or peace. So I would highly, I highly Thank recommend um, this because it, some people have a hard time. Uh, I have always been having a hard time with this particular thing in my own life is calling something what it is. So I love the fact that you're like, it's called a spade, you know, call a spade a spade kind of thing. And if you yeah. don't, if you can't recognize the problem or if you don't want to name it, if you don't want to face it, then you can't get your healing from it. And so I, that's why I love how you just, the way you tell your stories and how you, it's just, it's so good. Just buy the book and um, you can buy the book on uh, Amazon right? You just got to look up uh, JJ. I'm going to actually run your stuff through the bottom here. There we go. Um, I love that. I love that, JJ. I uh, A lot of my comedy comes from growing up in low-income housing, government housing with a daddy named Hot Dog. And I do joke <laughs> about our power being shut off in June because he was saving money for illegal explosives in July to light up the trailer park. So I, sometimes I get oh the God. look from the audience that's like, oh, she was poor. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're all right, folks. We're all doing okay. Yeah. Like, everybody calm down. So, yeah. I'm so wearing I a sparkly it. hoodie. I am doing fine. And I, <laughs> like, I had an island. Sparkle. We sparkle now. Hey, guys, for sure, I want you guys to make sure that you check out JJ Barrows. It's jjbarrows.com. JJ Barrows on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and at JJ Barrows Art on Etsy. She is an amazing artist. So you got to check that out. And of course, we want you guys to go on Amazon and buy the book, people. Buy the book. It's buy called it. A Spade by JJ Barrows. Y'all, this has been an absolutely just 
I'm just so blessed by this interview today, JJ. We're so happy that you agreed to join us. So thank you so much for being yes, here. Yes. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having you. me. I loved it. Thanks for letting me share. And I loved it. It's so fun awesome. to be a part of it. So Michelle, fun to have some last words. <laughs> there you go. That's right. There you go. Well, Michelle's going to kick you backstage for just a minute and then we'll give you a proper goodbye. And we're going to close this thing out real quick. Yeah. And you could eat all the green, all the green room snacks back there. So that's every yeah. episode. <laughs> that's the same joke every episode. There you go, Michelle. <laughs> well, oh my gosh, that's an amazing episode. So good. So good. I, I love Let's JJ. For a second. <laughs> What? What? <laughs> Did I leave you speechless for a second? Okay. And we didn't, I don't know that we fully described JJ's t-shirt. So she was wearing a Dolly Parton t-shirt. Yeah. You have to check out her Facebook and Instagram and all of that stuff because she is doing some amazing stuff with, mm -hmm. um, with Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton fans. And yeah, so you got to dive in deeper to that, but she had on a t-shirt that was the queen of hearts that had Dolly Parton on it. My 19 year old son rocks a Dolly t-shirt all the time. What? She is, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, he like he likes thrift shopping and cool t-shirts and he wears Dolly. Like it's Dolly from the eighties. Maybe he's got her. He wears that t-shirt all the time. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I just know the nine to five song. And then that islands in the stream. Like I watched it. nine to so. five the other day. I, I don't know where I was at. We're at the hotel. My husband and I are trying to go out to dinner and I started watching nine to five and I was like, yeah, no, we can't leave. Like I have to watch the end of this. It's one of the best movies of all time. But anyway, listen, y'all, if you enjoy laugh support and you liked listening to us, well, even better, you can watch us. You can see my sparkly t-shirt and Michelle's turtleneck and JJ's super cool <laughs> Dolly Parton t-shirt by watching us on the Creative Motion Network or on Roku TV. And you can see us on Vimeo. And if you're watching us and you want to listen to us on the road, well, you can find us on pretty much any platform that you listen to podcasts, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, all of those things. But listen, before you go, please, please, please go on our Facebook and our Instagram, like and follow the Laugh Support Podcast. Let us know who you are and where you're listening. So that's going to be it for this episode of the Laugh Support Podcast. As I always say, Jesus and Junebug loves you. And I'm going to pre-apologize for Michelle's <laughs> dad joke of the day. All right. So uh, I want to say thanks for listening. Uh, here we go. Walnuts are hard to crack open. Because it can take several minutes. What? Oh, that's oh, the yeah. word. You it's heard the it. word. You heard it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Whoa, whoa, whoa.